Hey everyone, Matt Johnson here. Before we get into the latest episode, I want to mention the Certified Listing Agent course from Pat Hyben's Rebus University. Our own Jeff Cohn is one of the featured agents in the course. Jeff and seven other top agents sat down with Pat and went through their entire listing presentation start to finish and gave all their best tips and tactics. These are the guys closing 85% or more of their listing appointments. So if you're looking to up your game or you just want extremely high quality training material for your team, check out the Certified Listing Agent course at rebusuniversity.com. Just use Jeff Jeff's last name, Cone, C-O-H-N, at checkout to get a hundred bucks off. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market, featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson here. We are back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. This is where you learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. And uh, we're flying solo today. So Jeff and the other uh, other guys are kind of recovering and trying to catch up on stuff uh, from the uh, the hurricane and how it threw off the schedule with Boomtown Unite being canceled and all that good stuff. Uh, we are recording as of October of 2016, if you're listening to this later. So if you can go back and if you don't remember what I'm talking about, uh, it's Hurricane Matthew and go look it up. Uh, but we've got an amazing guest here with us today. We're going to talk about how he's built a team, uh, how they run uh, almost entirely off of referrals. It's a huge chunk of their business, as well as some of the interesting things and the dynamics of the personality types of himself and his wife uh, and how they're a little bit different than your typical uh, team leader, especially mega agent team. We're also going to talk about how he has uh, uh, pulled himself out of the business and what the next steps are as far as bringing on ISAs. And so we've got a lot of stuff to get into. So let's welcome the special guest, Andy Peters. Andy, how's it going today? I'm great, Matt. Thanks for having me. Good, good. So uh, so tell us a little bit about where you're at and uh, kind of what your team looks like. So we have a, a mega team in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we have nine folks. Um, you can tell I'm from the South. Uh, we have five people on the sell side. We have four people on the admin side. We are a husband and wife team. Um, my wife started in the business and brought me on in 2008, which seemed like a great time to get into real estate. Yeah. Um, we, you know, struggled through the uh, the, the low times and uh, made it through. And we're, you know, one of the lucky folks that were able to take advantage of the market as things changed. And um, now it's a, a, a team that's continuing to grow. It's full of leaders. Um, it's full of amazing talent. Um, gritty, talented people. Um, recently replaced myself, so I serve as director of sales on our team and um, just try and help where I can. But yeah, like you said, we're, we're 85 to 90 percent referral repeat. Uh, that's the lion's share of our business. We're yeah, yeah and, that, and that's what really, you know, when we first talked and uh, that, that's what really stuck out to me because it's it's unusual for any type of mega agent or mega team to be that <laughs> referral heavy. Uh, most of the referral heavy, you know, individual agents you see are, are maybe the people, people that come from the school of uh, Brian Buffini and uh, they're not necessarily able to scale up their business very much because it is so referral heavy and it's limited by the amount of personal contact they can have with people and, and all this stuff. So, so we'll get into that because, uh, I think, and I'm sure you've seen it or you've watched some of your, your friends in the business go through it. I mean, pay-per-click cost is going up. 
lead gen costs are going up across the board. You know, Zillow, Trulia, Realtor.com are into the triple digits per lead, uh, and the conversion percentage may be a little bit better than pay per click, but it's still pretty significant. And yeah. so I, I think people are looking for, you know, what's that next answer? What's that next step? And one option might be return to basics. So I'm really curious about what, uh, what you built there, but take me back a little bit. I'm curious a little bit. I'm curious the high eye. She's the people person. So what, why did you jump in and, and what stage in the business was it at when you jumped in and uh, kind of tell me about that process a little bit? Sure. Well, she was a school teacher and, um, got in and, and really first year sold 12 houses then it was 24 and it was 30. Um, and at that point she was making as much as I was as a, you know, C-level executive. Um, I, I was managing sales for a national drinking water company, okay. uh, in Georgia and Florida. And I was like, okay, um, if she can do this, you know, she had just gotten her master's in education. I'm like, if she can do this, I, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when I got in, she's also a high D. You mentioned she's a high I. She's also a high D. So when I got involved, I mean, she was like, just figure it out. You know, just, here's a lead. Just go do it. Like, I, I don't care. I don't have time to show you how to do it. Just do it. Yeah, of course. Um, that doesn't work for everybody, right. but it actually worked pretty well for me. Um, I, I hate being the new guy. Uh, that was very painful for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, went to having this little itty bitty desk in the corner um, and, and, you know, nobody knows who you are. They're just like stepping on you as they walk into the office. So um, I, when I got involved, I immediately jumped into sales and just did what I knew to do, which was prospect. It was network. It was try and get, um, you know, try and fill my day as best as I could with productive, productive activities. Uh, all the while still kind of taking what she was giving me and trying to make sense of it. So um, we continued to kind of grow the team at 10 plus percent a year. And we figured out what we were, what our strong suits were. You know, she had kind of gotten to a point after three years of having no help, four years of having no help. And she said, I don't want to deal with the problems anymore. I don't want to deal with the clients. Um, you know, I love real estate, but just let me handle the operation side of the business, which was music to my ears because that's exactly what I don't want to do. Okay. Um, even though I am an ISC in terms of personality profiles. And yeah, um, really unique that you came out of managing sales teams without a high D personality. Yeah. Very rare, right? Yeah. It's just a lot of, you know, kind of finesse really, you know, I, I never throw anybody against the wall when I try and get what I want. Um, but you know, my dad calls me a baby face chicken killer. Um, and that's just been kind of my style, you know? Um, okay. so I, I, I probably work a little bit harder than the average guy and, uh, you know, I could, I'm sure I could work a little bit smarter, but I enjoy the relationship side of the business. So we just kept growing it, you know, and, and eventually we got to the point to where, um, I, I kind of got that. There's that time. I think when everybody thinks, uh, maybe I need to go focus on the listings versus the buyers. Yeah. So we split the business up. You know, once we had uh, more admin help, we had hired a transaction coordinator who was, you know, executive assistant and Leslie moved more into the marketing side of the business. Then I, I started just focusing on listings and um, we hired our first buyer's agent who then became lead buyer's agent, managed our team on the buy side. And, um, and it was so freeing. I mean, I think all throughout this process, we follow the MREA process and in every step of it, as we grew the team, 
it was just finding what we were good at and honing on it and, you know, zeroing down on what it is we needed to be doing at that moment. And, um, and I'll be honest, there's a lot of things that we did that I, I didn't realize why we did them. I just kind of followed that book. And um, I, I am a bit of a, a Gary Keller Homer. I'm in Gary's mastermind group with top 100 in the company. And, you know, we, we drink that Kool-Aid, you know, we, we, we actually laugh about that, but it is true. We, we drink that Kool-Aid because it's, it, it is such an amazing path that it's, you know, led us to where we are. Okay. Very, very cool. So you're, so you're scaling up, you know, relationship building, prospecting out to your kind of referral network or building your referral network. And, and, uh, so you start to focus on listings, you start to take on buyer's agents. So tell me about that process a little bit. Any, any mistakes or things you do oh, differently if you had to do it over again on the buyer side? The, the biggest thing is hiring from a pool of one, you know, um, <laughs> we, everybody meets somebody and they're like, Oh, this person would be so awesome at real estate. You know, they, they've got to join my team. And, um, you know, I can teach them, I can train them, I can make them great. That, you know, that's sort of a mindset. And, yeah. um, from my experience, I have nobody on my team now that was hired from a pool of one. And I've hired plenty of people from a pool of one that are no longer here yeah. is my point. Um, so, I, you know, I do think we've learned a lot in terms of finding those empire builder people, folks that we're hiring, not just for the job they have now, but the job that they'll have the next and then the next. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to have some worker bees. I, I get that. Um, mm -hmm. But right now, as it, you know, as we were kind of putting the pieces in place on this team, it was really about leaders and, and how do we get leadership people and creating a world where they felt like they could do what they wanted to do. Um, they could make the kind of money they wanted to make. And um, in, in some senses, you kind of get out of the way. And, and those are the talented people we have on the team. They're, they're ridiculous. Very, very cool. All right, so so just to go a little bit deeper on the on the team structures, you've got I think you said four Evan, you've got five agents. That does that include the listing agent and not include yourself and your wife, right? So uh, we have a total of nine people. So we have three buyers agents. We have one listing agent. I serve as director of sales, so I'm still kind of um, I do weekly four one ones with agents. You know, it, they call me when they have problems. At this point, um, you know, I'm I'm not involved in the every day to day, but I am involved. Uh, Leslie, my wife, um, is director of operations. She has a transaction coordinator who handles everything from contract to close. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a um, listing coordinator who's kind of the right arm for the listing agent. And then we have a director of marketing um, who's full time, you know, has 10 years of marketing experience and nice. we brought her on this year. That, that's been a game changer. All right, so uh, so on the listing agent side, where did where did she come from? So you mentioned you don't hire yeah. people anymore from a pool of one. So we know when I was, it wasn't just something yeah, like, no, uh, it was a specific concerted effort. And how did you source the people that you know eventually led to that pool where she came from? Well, this is funny. Um, I knew that I wanted to replace myself. I was getting a little bored doing what I was doing, and I, sure. you know, as, as Gary's always told us, you got to make room in your schedule for opportunity. I had no room. Like, I, I mean, there was there were days where I would just, you know, always fall exhausted over the finish line. I'm like, when does this end? And it never does. So, um, I was looking for a listing agent. I had looked, I felt like the four corners of the earth and, uh, our lead buyer's agent who had been obviously running our buyer team and, and came up as a, a new agent. She was our first agent hire. 
um, I always got the impression she didn't want to do listings. And so as I, she knew I was looking for a listing agent. I had been doing it for six months and running into brick wall after brick wall and just not happy with who I was meeting with. And um, one day in a meeting, in a four-in-one meeting I was having with her, I just said, I wish you would just take this job. <laughs> and she's like, well, really? You never asked me. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, I just assumed you didn't want this thing. And she said, no, you, you never talked to me. I, I assumed you didn't want me. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. We, we need to talk. So okay. um, literally, we had it hammered out in about a week um, okay. once she became a candidate. And, um, and that, that was the right hire. I mean, people trust her on the team. Um, it was welcomed by everybody. It was the right hire. Cool. And, and she's rocking and rolling. So you've officially, at least for now, you know, withdrawn from the business, uh, assuming everything continues to go well with her. She's, she's handling that. end. what was, when you say she was managing the buyer team, what, what was she doing outside of, you know, what you were doing in terms of managing the team overall? So she did the weekly four one ones with them. Um, oh, you know, okay. she would hold them accountable on a weekly basis. And then of course I would hold her accountable on a weekly, hold the lead buyer's agent accountable. Um, she was responsible for onboarding and training. Uh, that was a big leverage piece for me that I didn't have to do. Um, she fielded, I mean, by the time it would get to me, it, it would be like blowing up. Yeah. Um, but she took the on fire phone calls and was a, you know, a, a nice insulation for, for us. And she was well-respected. I mean, people and the, the buyer's agents that she brought on and she was, she was involved in the hiring process as well, but the people that she brought on respected her and listened to her and, um, and she helped them grow their business. So okay. She, so did you uh, did you find a good candidate from your your pool of buyers to take her place, or did you take back those duties from her on yourself? No. Um, well, took back those responsibilities. Yes. Um, as director of sales, now I am kind of serving as that lead buyer's agent role. There's a vacancy on the team. We've hired a, another buyer's agent, but we've since kind of earmarked her now for expansion. She puts us oh. in an area of uh, Metro Atlanta that we're not in right now where she lives. And um, she's serving as a buyer's agent on the team right now, but she will be moving into Northeast Georgia and taking us into a different, different market. So we're working on that right now too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so we'll talk about that. Um, but let's, uh, so on the buyer side, especially going back to the, the referral issue, I, I mean, most, most agents are expanding by, because they're attracting agents with their excess leads and they're generating a lot of those leads through pay-per-click and Zillow truly whatever. So when you guys are attracting an agent onto the team and you know that most of your business comes from referrals, what are you selling them? What's the value prop to them as an agent to join your team? Great question. Uh, well, first of all, I'm a, I'm a maps coach. Um, my wife is a maps coach. We, people pay us good money for some, some reason, right? They, they, um, we have weekly conversations with agents across the country. Um, we're teachers, you know, we, we teach MRA models. We're highly, highly vested in the Keller Williams way. And um, I, I think one of the reasons why people come here is just because we, we follow the, the systems and models. And um, there's a lot of folks that have a lot of natural talent, but they just don't know what to do with it and, and how to, get all their parts and pieces moving in the right direction. And um, our admin, our hub is just so buttoned up. Um, it, it's really not built for the 165, 175 units that it does now. It's really, it's really built for 300 plus units. So yeah. 
you got to have your capacity to give like really great, yeah, top, like proactive service. So the agents are not, like the agents just have that mental burden kind of completely removed. Completely, and um, certainly the lead generation systems are there too. Um, the ISA, which I'm sure we'll talk about, that will be another layered benefit of what we're doing. But you know, we're getting so many leads right now. You know that we can't say grace over. We've got plenty of leads. That's never been a problem ever. Now is this, uh, so I, I know it started initially with you and of course your wife has got some history in the business. So I'm sure there's a, a, a database of past clients and there, there's referrals coming in and stuff like that. Yeah. What's the other major chunk of that? Is it just yard signs or is there another system that you're asking agents to follow in terms of generating their own leads and generating their own referrals? So there's three pillars in the business. You've got um, sphere, your, you know, direct database. We have now about uh, almost 2,000 people in it, past clients, people that just raise their hand, say, we want your stuff. Um, that's the biggest piece of our business, obviously. We're huge into events. We have at least four face-to-face -face events. In fact, we've got one at the house on Sunday. 250 people will be here at the house. Um, so I, we like to get that face-to-face, belly-to-belly time with people and build a relationship, obviously. The second would be internet. Um, that's a growing piece of our business. We're, we relate to the game on that. Uh, we have Boomtown. Um, we generate, you know, we generate somewhere in the neighborhood of 350 to 500 leads, I would say, um, just organically from the internet. Um, you know, the third piece of it is going to be geographical farming. And we haven't done, again, we haven't done a great job with that. I think there's a lot of room for improvement there. Um, but geographical farming, we've, you know, got, we've had a farm of about 2000 people. Um, and we're, we're kind of hot and cold with that. I've really kind of gone all in on database and, you know, trying to develop relationships more as well as internet and the geographical farming piece is very, very expensive. So I, truthfully, I think with the money that we spend on that, rolling it into the internet, we can really leverage that piece and, and pump out some good returns. Interesting. So, okay. So you've got, so you've only got three buyers agents and you're already generating 350 to 500 leads a month. So you're talking about giving each of those agents potentially a hundred buyer leads or maybe even more than that per month. Um, we generate probably 50 leads per agent. Um, and that includes listing agents too, um, on the listing side of the business. Okay. Um, our biggest problem right now is speed to lead. And, you know, that's, again, where the ISA comes into play. We're, we're losing a whole lot of leads that, you know, if we had somebody on the phone with them all the time, that we'd be able to convert to appointment a lot easier. Gotcha. So you've tried, so you've tried, I'm assuming, like, either round robin or have you tried, like, a rotation where each of them takes a specific day? And yeah. What's, what's been your experience trying to get them to, trying to up your speed to lead, so to speak? Yeah. Um, it, I feel like we've tried everything. Um, <laughs> okay. The... And there's, we haven't really found a, a, a great solution. Um, yeah. Essentially now, and we actually were talking about this this week, is time blocking for follow-up, you know, because we get all these leads and, you know, it, it's one thing to get on the phone quickly, but the chances are there's going to be, you know, 60, 70% of those people you're not going to get. And then they just go into this black hole that's, you know, mm -hmm. hopefully one day we'll get to them and call them a second time. So it, I, I want to pull my hair out. Um, yeah. So the ISA thing is, you know, gotta happen. Our people are, um, you know, really, they're, they're built for converting 
um, you know, going on appointments, converting to, to a client and, um, and making it happen. And I just don't think they have the skills at this point or either they're, they're too busy on the agent side of the ball to really be as good as they need to be on the conversion gotcha. on a round so robin. That's, so that's where the ISA comes in. You're going to hire a dedicated yeah. person or the next step is to hire a dedicated person. Their, their whole job is just the speed to lead the response on the time on that. Right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yes. I mean, we, we're always curious about that because everyone has a different perspective or has found slightly, something slightly different that works on everyone's curious about how, how different teams follow up with leads and things like that. And uh, I mean, it, it certainly can't, it, it can't have hurt you too much, although it, it hurts you to see the leads going by the wayside. It sounds like they're at least cherry, pick, cherry picking some of the ones and they're, they're following up with enough to keep each buyer's agent relatively busy because you're doing a high number of transactions and neither right. one, you and your wife are not carrying like 50 or 60% of the loads of the, uh, of the, you know, the lion's share of the, the deals that you're doing. No. So when, uh, when you look at like your per agent, you know, in, in terms of what the buyer's agents are doing, are they, are they doing, let's say three to four deals a month, or do you have more of the doing five, six, seven deals a month? Like what level they're producing at individually? So expectation for buyer's agents, 36 deals, um, three a month. Yeah. And you know, the way I always put it to people is, you know, it, a, a bad month is two deals. Yeah. And it, it, a bad month is not okay, but it's going to happen. We get that. You just can't have two bad months in a row. And okay. so we're really big on making up shortfalls in terms of, you know, not looking in, in a 30 day window, but a 60 day window. And, but that's, everybody knows that's the expectation. It's, it's three deals a month. Um, we have two agents that consistently do 40 plus deals a year. Um, and then we'll have some people that do, 25 to 30 deals. And, um, you know, that's, that's always kind of the, if you did less than 25 deals, probably not going to be here. Yeah. Um, on the list side of the ball, you know, we expect a hundred, hundred listings is really what we're looking for. Uh, that's five listing appointments a week. Um, you probably get taken three out of five. Uh, those are the conversion numbers that we look for. Okay. So yeah, I mean, that's a, a sustainable, those are all sustainable minimums for, you know, both listing, listing and the buy side and stuff. So you're not, you're not, you don't have crazy expectations. What's the, uh, what's the expectation on the actual activities that they have? Do you have a certain number of calls or, or are you helping them to time block in a certain way to make sure that they're doing the things that will lead to those 36 yeah. days a year? Both. So we expect a minimum of 50 contacts. Um, and we, we use follow up boss. Uh, we've tried everything. Um, I, I, I think follow boss is doing the best of anything that we've done so far it, that nothing's perfect, mm -hmm. but um, you know, we do inspect that. We want to make sure that people are not just constantly doing the minimum. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, on four one ones, we always start with 200, you know, 200 contacts a month and then kind of whittle that down. And you have some people that they'll go and they'll knock out a hundred in a week. And, you know, then they've got three weeks and they'll do the rest of the hundred or sometimes they'll give it gas and, and, and continue to do 400 in a month. Mm -hmm. um, but 200 is the minimum. Okay. Month. Interesting. All right. So let's talk about the, uh, the expansion a little bit. So you've got this person that's, that's on your team. She's in a different part of the city. I mean, Atlanta is huge, obviously. So it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we've got an agent uh, in our Omaha office who is working the, it's, it's the Lincoln market is 45 minutes away for you guys. That's across town. Essentially. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. 
so this is someone like, how did you guys uh, meet her, and why why was the decision made to kind of consider her an expansion agent as opposed to just someone that works predominantly from home but still working out of your home office? Sure. Um, well, our footprint's pretty big already, so we've had a, a you know. A lot of agents are neighborhood agents, right? They specialize in one particular area. Thank goodness we did not do that. Um, as the market crashed, we were able, we were very nimble. We were able to go into all these different areas and suburbs of Atlanta. Um, and because we did that, then we had all these pockets of business that then we sell their house, right? So it just, it's kind of mushroom for us um, in terms of Metro Atlanta. But for instance, where we are in Northeast Georgia, there's a, a large lake there, Lake Lanier. Um, so there, there's second homes that are people are buying there. Uh, the city has moved in that direction a lot. And we just felt like we're getting all these leads in this area and it takes us a good 45 an hour to get there. Um, if we're going to stay in tune with a team thinking, uh, which is specialized, everybody do one thing and do it really well. Mm -hmm. then it, it it makes sense for us to go there, A, and B, we need to make sure that we have somebody that specializes, that knows it and can um, keep the same level of service um, as we do in Atlanta. And Leslie and I teach a lot throughout the Southeast, and we, we were teaching in um, a market center for the second time, and um, our expansion partner just kept coming. She, she just kept coming to the meetings, and we knew her, we, we'd met her a couple times and um, she just kind of kept hanging around afterwards and asking us questions. And, you know, it, it became apparent that she was wondering what kind of opportunities we had. So we weren't really looking for, um, for somebody at that point that we had a vision, but we weren't actively pursuing it. Um, so we said, look, we, we would love to do that one day. We have an opening on the buyer team. If you'd like to be a candidate for that for now, and she was all over it. And so, you know, and at that time we were interviewing a, a bunch of people, several people, and she was hands down the best candidate to join the team. So we did not hire her with a promise that that's what would, would happen, but um, we certainly shared with her that was our vision. And, you know, if it was something that she shared in that we would like to talk to her further about it. And within probably three months of her uh, coming on, and seeing how long it took her to get to the office and just, you know, interact with us, we kind of felt sorry for her. And we, we said, all right, let, let's go ahead and do this. So um, I had a meeting with, a, with uh, one of the market centers this morning, actually. I'm trying to determine which office she's going to be in mm -hmm. uh, up in that area. But our long-term goal, and I think she's the one everybody would agree that if she takes to this like a duck in water, She'll become the expansion director and, and help us go in a couple of different directions across Atlanta. All right. So so the opening initially was for the buyer. It, was that because was that an issue for her potentially because she was already doing, you know, both a combination of, of buy side and sell side, and then she would have had to give up the sell side to come work for you. And and then what she did. I know you're a big proponent of specialization. Is she continuing to still specialize? Does she just work the buy side at, in her area? When she goes into expansion, she'll work buyers and sellers. But right now, in the four short months she's been here, she's brought, I think, three, maybe four listings to the team um, and that many buyers. So um, she's specializing in buyers right now, but that will be changing. Um, we hope to have her up and running within the next 30 days. And she's, 
she is uh, going on listing appointments with our uh, listing agent now and kind of learning those ropes, although she had had some experience doing that in the past as well. Um, but she's, yeah, she can do both. Um, she can do both very easily. So what's, uh, so obviously you're following the, the, the red book, you know, model to a T what, what's your feeling on, I mean, just what you've seen with your agents and the skills. I mean, you've, you've watched your buyer agent go and become what appears to be a pretty kick butt listing agent. And apparently that, that talent was in her the whole time. I mean, how do you feel about teams that allow their agents to do both? And do you ever see yourself kind of making that move, especially as your team grows? We'll never say never. Um, you know, I think the specialization has kind of helped us get to where we are. So, um, you know, and, and Gary's group, there's a lot of people that do both buyers and sellers. And I, I'm, I'm open to that, especially as expansion continues to, you know, roll out, which is essentially buyers and sellers. Um, I think that it, it, it's really all about expectation, you know, and, and it's hard to, demand somebody to to really keep up the certain level that you need on the buy side and a certain level on the list side because it's kind of like having two masters um you, you can't do it so i i think it would be really hard to manage because i think you're going to run into situations where you've got hey i know i'm supposed to do three buyers and you know three sellers but i did four sellers isn't that good you know I, that's what i that could be a myth misunderstanding for me but it's just a lot easier for me to keep people accountable to doing one thing. And it's, it's, it's a little bit easier on me selfishly, but I think that I can, um, I think that I can show people a clear path on how they can achieve what they want to make. Um, because they can still refer out their listings still listening. Right. Team. Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah, that's that's an interesting conversation. We, I, we talked to obviously, you know, people on both sides of the fence, uh, our team in Omaha, you know, has always been kind of a, uh, they're allowed to both list and sell. And, and so the accountability system that we've come up with uh, and that, you know, we have a guy named Andy uh, in, in the office that actually meets one-on-one -on -one with them and they have a number of, um, uh, of connections and contacts essentially that they have to make per week and they have mm -hmm. to report their numbers and then they're reporting, you know, the listings taken, contracts and so forth. And, uh, and then buyers are kind of mixed into that. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it, it is, it does get a little convoluted in, in the sense that you have to track, there's about four or five metrics that they really track and really pay close attention to, as opposed to just being able to track, Hey, how are you handling your appointments? Buyers? Yeah, exactly. Bindings. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it can get a little convoluted, but the, it's, it's worked well for us. And so we're always kind of curious what other people are doing. And it, it seems like you're, you're getting into like, as you go into expansion, you'll have a blend where you have, you, you know, your people in house, you'll hold them to one standard and then your expansion people have to, you'll have to figure out some kind of accountability that kind of blends those two things, which makes yeah. sense. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about just briefly before we, uh, before we finish up the relationship. So at the top, obviously you guys, you and your wife have your, your kind of duties and you've got people that report directly to you. We, we covered that a little bit. Tell me about the decision-making and the vision who sets the tone and who sets the vision for the kind of the next steps and, uh, versus who's doing the implementing and do you kind of divide things out like that? And then how are you guys making decisions on where to take the team? Sure. Uh, well, I think the best way that we've found to do this, um, we call it a future self where we literally kind of imagine what it, what it looks like in 10 years. You know, if it's been the best 10 years that you could possibly imagine what happened, 
And that's the starting point for figuring out what we want to do. And um, it's really eerie when Leslie and I do that because we do it separately. And our goals are very, very similar. And they're similar because we talk about them, right? So um, whenever we make decisions, we don't always agree, um, but we always kind of look at it through the lens of, all right, where do we want to go? <clears throat> you know, how is this going to help us get to the ultimate goal? Yeah. And um, I think a lot of husband and wife, that's, you can start getting strains on relationships because one person is back here and one person's up there and you just got to, you really sounds cheesy. You got to hold hands through this thing. And, um, you know, when one person jumps, the other person jumps because there's going to be a lot of jumps. Yeah. And, um, we've never struggled with that. I mean, I've had a lot of people that have said, how in the world could you work with your wife? Right. And she gets asked the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't know how she works with me, but, it, <laughs> um, but it really has been a pleasure because um, she enjoys doing the things that I really don't care to do. Um, and she doesn't really want to deal with sales. Um, she's really impatient. She likes to get things done like really fast. So she pushes me and I'm a high S. So I like to take my time and I like right. to think about it and I like to analyze. And so she pushes me to make, you know, faster decisions and I push her to make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I, I think that's what a good team does. But in terms of who makes the decisions, um, as I continue to step out of the out of the team, I think it will become Leslie's baby once again. <clears throat> um, right now, we make it together, and um, implementation. Uh, if it has to do with operations, it's her, and if it has to do with sales, it's me. And sometimes we'll get out of our lanes. And just last night we were talking about training and she said, you know, I'm not going to have time as much time to train next week, this new agent that's coming on board. I'm like, well, that in your job, like that's my job. Just let me take care of that. Okay. Um, so we do hold each other accountable for things like that. Um, and, and really try and try and do what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I like that. So, uh, she, she pushes you to make faster decisions. You push her to make better decisions. I like that. <laughs> yeah. that is a, that is the quote of the episode right there. Um, okay. So speaking of the next steps, you talked about you withdrawing a little bit from the team and it's going to be, be her baby a little again, uh, a little bit more. Uh, so what is that next step for you and, and why are you going, what's, what's the next step and why are you going in that direction? I guess. Sure. Um, I, I really, I, for the last few years, I've had a vision to be an owner and um, I've had some opportunities, but nothing really seemed to be right for me at that point in, uh, in time. And quite frankly, the team has been growing and doing so well. It's kind of like, well, gosh, why, why would you want to leave this thing? Um, but I, I think after doing something for so long, you have to look for new challenges. And yeah. for me, that's just the next thing that I feel led to do. Um, I'll always have some involvement in the team. Um, I always want to coach and love on the people on the team like that. That's fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to be impactful on a higher level to more people. And um, I, I, there's only so much that I can do on the team. So uh, I want to do more teaching. I want to do more coaching. Um, you know, I, I really want to be more of a, a leader. You know, I want to take on more leadership responsibilities. So, for me, it's, it's going to be owning market centers. Um, that's, that's the next step. Gotcha. Very, very cool. 
And then, uh, and then, last question for you is because I, obviously you're coming from a corporate environment, sales management, where things are a little bit more structured and systematized. What is, what is maybe one or two systems that you wish you had put into your real estate business earlier or better? Looking back on things now. Well, I should have hired people faster. Um, okay. I really, you know, I felt like, hey, you know, I selling 60 units, you know, that's, that's awesome. I'm making great money. Um, but it, you didn't realize that you hire somebody else, you sell a hundred, you know, you hire somebody else, you sell 125, you know, you just, um, I think you're so short sighted early on because you are experiencing success and you kind of get, um, you, you kind of feel like you're a genius. You know, I got this thing figured out. And when in reality, you're just working yourself to the bone. Mm -hmm. So I should have hired people faster. Um, I think I could have grown the team a lot faster. Uh, the second thing is I should have hired a coach faster. I should have had somebody that was giving me advice um, because I had good leadership within the office. Um, I had agent friends that you know had gone before me that had done awesome things and had made mistakes that I learned from. But I didn't have somebody that um, I didn't have like a Jedi master that was yeah. looking after me. And um, once I got that uh, things, things really got gas and it's been a tremendous thing. It just being okay with the fact that you don't know everything, you know, um, being able to ask questions of people that have gone and, and done it at such a higher level than what you're doing it at. So um, it's hiring and coaching. Those would be the two things I should have done. Gotcha. Very, very cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. That's uh, I've I've never heard anybody say I should have hired faster. Most <laughs> people are they <laughs> they hire way way too fast, and usually the conventional advice is slow down, stop hiring people so quickly, and start start firing them faster. And uh, yeah, so it's funny. But I I get what you're where you're coming from because you you had some success as a as a rainmaker. And then you have a hard time kind of making those first one or two hires that really all of a sudden like leveraging to explode your world in terms of what you can uh, what you can achieve. And then the coaching would have probably set you along that path a lot faster. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, that makes sense. OK, so let's wrap it up with this. Uh, so two things. Number one, tell me and tell everyone that's listening how they can reach you and specifically where you guys are at. So if they have a referral come up and they're kind of curious, like what areas you guys uh, serve and all that stuff. So anything that people need to know to send you a referral. Absolutely. Um, and thanks by the way, this has been awesome. Um, we're Metro Atlanta. So really if you think Atlanta, just call me. Um, okay. you know, we, we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. If we don't do it, um, our website is the Peters Um, and it, we just redid it. So go check it out. Uh, we're pretty proud of it. And, um, yeah, Come, come see us in Atlanta. If we can help you in any way, shape, or form, we'd love to. Very cool. And if someone's interested in coaching with you, um, obviously you mentioned you're a MAPS coach. What's the best avenue for that? Uh, you can email me at andy at thepeterscompany.com. I'm happy to help you in, in any way, shape, or form. Perfect. 
All right, and then uh, just one last thing to mention from me is the team building workshop. So that's where you come in. Uh, you're welcome to fly in the night before on a Sunday night, and you spend all day in Omaha with Jeff and the guys in our Omaha office, the flagship office there with 25 of our agents and the admin staff, and you really get to spend the whole day there. You get to sit on, in on team meetings. Um, the four, Andy mentioned doing 411s with the agents. Uh, people can actually sit in on the 411s that our success manager, uh, Andy Cuny, does with our, the agents there uh, in the office as well as a recruiting meeting. Uh, if there's somebody that's thinking about joining the team and then you get to sit down with the operations manager and the uh, the main dialogue and training coach there, Mark Cohn, who does uh, takes you through uh, the whole training program for the team, all the back-end operations, and then you walk away with access to the Google Drive where you get all the intellectual property systems, tools, spreadsheets, all that jazz, all that stuff. So that's the team building workshop. So go to EliteRealEstateSystems.com slash workshops. Uh, from there, you can see the registration link that's got all the dates. We've got November 14th coming up and then uh, December 12th. Uh, there is still time if you're listening to this uh, within the next, um, actually by the time this releases, I think the one in October will be done. So just go check out the website. The latest dates will be there, but the next one's coming up are November and December. Uh, and with that said, um, thank you so much everybody for watching. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Uh, go over to iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to the audio versions if you prefer that instead. And keep up with everything that we're doing. And be sure to send any referrals that you have to Andy and check out the website, thepeterscompany.com, right? That's it. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Matt.